didn't know how to jump onto the stage. The music was so good, right? <laughs> wow, welcome to Bangkok Lyrical Lunacy, everybody. Thank you so much for making out on this Friday night. I know you have to like swim through traffic to get here, and you made it. So thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, thank you. <laughs> well, we have a big show. Lots of new poets, lots of old poets gracing the stage tonight. And who here's here for the first time at a lyrical lunacy stage? Wow. Okay, we have quite a few virgins in the crowd. Now that you're here, I hope you enjoy the show. All right, let's get the show started, everybody. It's called The Fight. I had a fight one night. Not for justice, equality, or democracy. This fight was for me. My mind, my body, my decisions, my drive. All the things I control in this life, the conversations in my head, day and night. I made the moment mine, put my skills to the test, a culmination of my journey in life to bring out the best in me. And who am I? Just a human being with a heart beating in my chest, born into a world of pain that I've come to accept like the sun, the wind and the rain. So I trained and trained each and every day like a man possessed. A jab, a slip, a faint, a punch in the face. Those dull headaches made me a little crazy. A hundred lessons swirling around my head as I walked home, body broken, eyes wide open. Something had awoken in me. I visualized an epic performance, shadow boxing in silence at dawn. Bouncing around on the balls of my feet upon that rooftop, I danced upon catastrophe with the ground beneath my feet. I was there. I was me in my element. I could see clearly. And there in the ring that night stood he, my old friend. Throughout time, he had appeared again and again. Now he was in the air. He was in my heart. This was life to me. This was art. I drank a cup of courage all up, strutted my stuff. Isn't that what life teaches us? We can overcome our struggles, learn to love, to understand that kiss from above that we call fear. I found a feeling I can't explain. I'll drink it when I need it, when the real fight comes again. The fight that I've been living my entire life inside the ring that's not outside. Day after day, night after night. We all fight. Thank you very much for listening. I'm going to perform tonight um, is called Grey Girl. I am nervous. <laughs> Thank you. She was clueless in the way she believed his hands were made to hold hers, that there was no need to intertwine her fingers in his to prove they belonged together. In the words he spoke, and the way they made her feel, the way they made her hope for a tomorrow that hasn't fully taken form in his mind yet. Because there was always that uncertainty blocking him from dreaming freely. And she said she understands, for she is a woman who does not push what is not hers. 
even if she wanted to own him. Not just in moments when they can forget the weight of their truth, but every damn time she holds on. In between the soundless sighs, he forces out of her lips and frustrations. And she takes all the little parts that belong to her, where there isn't a need to share because the morsels are all hers, even though they aren't enough. And they leave her craving for more, for him, for them. When she knows full well she cannot possibly have what she wants right now, and the crumbs she feeds on are all she gets as she lives in the shadow of his rainbow muse, taking all of her colors, muting her world with gray, and she thinks gray is better than black because she at least gets a little of the light, not knowing that limbo is never better than dying. Because your heart does not beat when it's dead, and when it's lifeless, you feel no pain unless you enjoy the hurting. She probably does. She continues to trade her vibrant colors for his faded promises, the carefully crafted words of what he cannot give, even though he's full to the brim, almost overflowing, just because it is not time yet. And he can only paint when he has washed all his brushes clean. Maybe someday he will allow himself near his palette again. But for now, he works with his sketches. And she watches in awe as he creates the outline, not knowing when he will finish the picture. And maybe he never will. And she will be left waiting in his rough draft, save for later. Only later never comes. And they're left unfinished. Just like that. Thank you. Y'all have a good time today? Okay, so we're going to do a, a show on, on December 11th. Um, it's super free, so please join. You can got no excuse. It's on a Friday. Just show up and have a really good time. It'll be like a curated, musical, poetic vibe. It's uh, called The Stories of Pop Leroy. December 11th, Friday at Speaker Box. There's Tonglo Road and there's this bridge at the end of it. It's right under the bridge. There's no trolls, I promise. (laughs) So here we go. My soul runs deep like rivers. Rivers of blood, of tears, of lynching ropes and institutional nose. The maternal voice of sisters and grandmothers past. The church elder and the red-lipped blues mistress sing to me. Wait in the water, child. Wait in the water. My souls are lost to the mire like the smear of minstrel show faces. Clothes heavy limbs limp in cold and current. I suck down water in gritty gulps where the riverbed drops beneath me. And I want to stop drowning in cold torment. Wait in the water, baby girl. My people call me from the sidewalks of Crenshaw Boulevard, the L.A. River drought-dried and crusted. They call me from jail cells and high-rise offices and college dorms and drone service jobs. They call for equity. They call for justice. But privilege mutes the sound. 
And I ache for the aching of my people and my people's past. Hear the collective cry of the generations. Wait in the water, child. Wait for you and me and we. Wait for children who need to dream and young men who yearn to be free. Wait in the steps the current cannot erase. Wait for the beauty of your race. Wait until your heart stops and you breathe in eternity. You wait in that water, child. We warmed it with our blood, your inheritance. So wait. Thank you. Six. That's so gay. Passed around the playground like a football in the field. A generalized insult with no relation to sexuality. I didn't know it at the time, but it made me feel like I was some sort of abnormality. The definition of gay is actually bright and happy, but I learned the word to mean that there was something wrong with me. 17, you still don't have a boyfriend? (laughs) The question that haunts adolescent queers every year. Family get-togethers assuming that we fit heteronormativity. I don't have a boyfriend yet, no, but you see that girl over there? Yeah, my best friend. Actually, she's more than just a friend. I brought her home to meet my family, but she couldn't meet them. No, not in the capacity that she was to me. Eight, you're such a faggot, I said to my brother. You know those nasty little worm things? Oh shit, I think I meant maggot. <laughs> Two words, one letter different. I used, I used it as an insult before I even knew what it meant. The weight of the words said so easily, but filled with so much hostility. 21, mom? Dad, I'm gay. My palms sweaty, my heart racing, a lump in, the, in my throat taking my voice from me. I finally, mustered up the, I finally mustered up the courage to speak my truth, and I was met with a, oh yeah, we've known since you were small. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. How could you know that if I hadn't told you? Somehow the mic was in my hand, but the spotlight was still on you. 10. No homo. Said at the end of what felt like every sentence. Quickly said to make sure that there was acceptance for saying something that was a little too loving. Because in no way could we seem gay. I internalized to declare no homo for fear that I would be the other. 24. I think I think I might try a girl. Said by a straight girl, unsatisfied by the guys. The times I said, just try it with a guy, Taylor. It's what's normal. Every time dissociating, hoping it would be over. If I could just try a different sexuality, everything would be more aligned with others' reality. You don't just get to appropriate the benefits of being with a girl because let me tell you, the pain of being gay is very real. Your false fantasy is my reality and you don't just get to brush it off like it's some decision because you're not happy with your situation. 20. Yeah, I'm going to skip this one. (laughs) 25. I'll pray for you. Sitting across from the man that I just rejected. Wait. Yeah. Uncertain of how to accept it. My safe space invaded by hate because I wasn't straight. Actually, I'm okay. I think what would be helpful is to pray for this society that teaches us that we are inherently less. Pray to change the way that allows kids to fear what is inherently theirs. Pray for the religions that oppress freedom of expression. 28. So this is now. The strange thing about being gay is that it's really up to me to say. 
Every person I meet, I have to decide if it's worth it for me to share this information. For so long, I have pretended to blend in fear that I wouldn't fit the expectation. I internalized the, sti I internalized the stigma to feel hate for myself, but this hate, this, this hate was rooted in fear that love has limits. In the past, I was wounded by the words filled with animosity, but now these words fuel my fire to be unapologetically me. Finally, I feel like I can break free of the chains that have prevented me from being seen. What is now clear is that the true me is better than who I think you might want to see, and I refuse to feel shame for, for others thinking that being gay is not okay. So yeah, pride parades and far too much glitter are undoubtedly part of my future. But just know that every time I come out to you, I'm coming a little bit more into myself. If there is no talk, there is no walk. If there is no walk, it's all just mock. When it's all just mock, it's all just a bunch of crock. When it's all just a bunch of crock, still stuck on this fucking crosswalk, no shit, Sherlock. Speak up, call out, point out, smoke a joint. Burn some shit down, do what you gotta do, it is what it is. Open your mouth and say, get a life, fuck you, go fuck yourself, eat a dick. <laughs> but there is a line. That line exists to remind. To remind us about our minds, that our minds can get lost. Lost in a universe of hypocrisy and bullshit. That line reminds us we may speak up too much silencing our reasons. We may burn some shit down provoking casualties. We may say fuck you too much that we end up fucking ourselves. To quote Morgan Freeman from the movie Seven, he quotes Ernest Hemingway. Ernest Hemingway said, the world is a fine place and worth fighting for. I agree with the second part. Opinion agreed, but that's just me. It ain't no fine place out there. It isn't here. In this room, why? It's because we all fight for something here. You fight for something, you will make a fine place out of where you are fighting. But remember the line. Be aware of that line. That line is common sense. Because once you cross that line, common sense becomes an oxymoron. An oxymoron, that is. Common sense ain't common. All right, that's all for me, guys. Thank you very much. I can feel my heart beat. I can feel my heart beat. Beating at the rhythm of a freedom song. Beating at the rhythm of a freedom song. I can feel my soul cry. I can feel my soul cry. Crying out for a little bit of more justice. Right now for a little bit more justice If I say yes to the beat in me If I say yes to the beat in me I will set my spirit free I will set my spirit free If I say yes to the beat in me If I say yes to the beat in me I will set my spirit free I will set my spirit free I can feel my heart beat I can feel my heart beat 
Beating up the rhythm of a freedom song. Beating up the rhythm of a freedom song. I can feel my soul cry. I can feel my soul cry. Crying out for a newfound revolution. Crying out for a newfound revolution. So, I don't know. Get Did you guys there, catch that? Out. I missed that one. Let's try that again. <laughs> crying out for a newfound revolution. Crying out for a newfound revolution. If I say yes to the beat in me, if I say yes to the beat in me, I will set my spirit free. I will set my spirit free. If you say yes to the beat in you, if you say yes to the beat in you, you will set your spirit free. You will set your spirit free. Wow, nice, that's right? amazing! Give yourself <laughs> She left with a brisk kiss and hints of her perfume falling all about his hotel room. Her fragrance barely fraying well after she's gone. It's the remnants of a body underneath his. It's scent of thread lacing and tracing the hotel room, lacing the pleasant mess of sheets fashioned out of savage passion. It's the essence of tension and wild release, the mesh of flesh cast against cocktails and tenderness. It's the embers she leaves him with while she still flickers in his midst. Thank you very much. Night and day dissolves into another slumber that has not befriended time. Her light does not cast shadows that drifts with direction. The strength to heave herself is diffused by a roaring rock that sags her mind, blackens her eyes, dims her foresight, unable to discern the real from the imaginary. Like a golden stone, she shimmers in murky waters, lodged within a bed of pale pebbles, too heavy to rise from her entrenched outlines, but she glistens in the crevices. Her wings are clipped, feet are tied. She wriggles to glimpse at the sky, which she once dared to fly, soar, glide, without prohibition to claim as her own peak. Through her bars of rage, she's hatching a meticulous escape. Caged bird. She wonders if anyone can see her wilting in the shade, if she's been cast away carefully or by mistake, if her bed is supposed to feel too big and the air stagnant above it, and whether the little window is broken because it's been playing the same scenes every day. All she needs is some sunlight to bloom again. 
As day breaks, the sky cracks to give birth to Earth's song. I rise and night falls into my empty arms, cradling a punctured heart until day breaks and night falls. Aren't we all just fragile fragments holding ourselves together whilst we float, sometimes solitarily, sometimes together, hoping that we'll arrive at where we want to be in one piece? Handle with care. So I fade, I fade with every breath I take, ripping apart into fragments that can't be contained whilst expanding anew again, warming, building, expanding. Cyclical decay. So I gulp, I gulp a star and it turns around the walls of my solar system, fusing fragments of myself into circular holes. Don't be afraid of your heart being punctured, for it needs to bleed in order to infuse new beginnings, healing. Not all stars that nestle in Indian ink need someone to point out that they do more than just exist. Warming, building, expanding. We are all shooting stars that kisses the earth, sparking love just for a little while, wishing we could stay longer to breathe our magic. Stop burying the parts of you that makes your heart sing for they will awaken to tug you at night only to remind you that you aren't meant to be dug. And stop chasing yourself whilst your heart keeps bellowing all the reasons for you to stay. Come back home. Don't let fear make you take a step backwards from the chances that are beckoning in front of you. Boldly step forward. Believe that you have everything that you need inside the temple that is your sacred body to rise above and beyond the bold visions you've courageously conceived. Hold faith. Just as the moon can pull the ocean from afar to make us rise and fall, so you can too resist, resist its turbulent tides by surfacing, being present, both in the light and dark. You are yet to discover the extent of your inner strength. For the process of your becoming is always evolving. Stop, stop waiting to become and just be. That was her strength. To break away the most treasured parts of herself that took the longest to build so that what would remain after she crumbles into air are the pieces of a heart that will always have a place in the universe when I'm gone. I am from so many places that gave birth to me, either by womb, hurt, love, or memory, encrusting layers to my growing identity. Yet I belong to none and no one at all, not even the one I inhabit now, for these places are only temporary spaces from which I turn inwards to go home within her.
I'm so good at elaborating. Okay, it's called It's All Right. It's all right. It doesn't have to be such a strong fight. You're in the right place. You've stuck a good pace. A small stumble doesn't spell the end. A small turn doesn't mean you'll bend. The light shines in front of you and warmth continues to come through. It's still the path you're on. You'll look back and see you've won. You kept through steady and strong, even though it maybe took quite long. Lessons are learned. Maybe you were hurt. Maybe it's others who were burnt. Worst feelings become memories felt once, for you didn't again not heed that hunch. Beautiful thoughts are perhaps lost, but you can pick up what you've dropped. Recall that thought that made you soar, how that joy made you roar. Glad chatter is there if you listen, especially if you let your grin fill to the brim. Attracted to happiness is all types of gladness. It may even wipe tears of those who are saddest. Serenity is within if you forgive those little sins. Nobody is perfect. You can let yourself win. Company you keep when it's only you and sleep can be a colorful dream of the life you can't wait to lead. You're doing all right. Keep that in your sight. Thank you. Make it hot. So, okay, are you guys ready? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> one word for syllables they use to shackle the ankles of those who dare inch beyond society's sensibility. It hung on my neck since the day I was born. When your girl growing up in Thailand, this is the word they use to outline the silhouette of you. Kalat meaning time and tesa meaning space. Know your place. Galatesa was uttered to me when I ran too fast in the hall, spoke to a teacher too directly, and when I asked her why no one takes me as seriously as the boy one year senior above me. Well, they're men, she said, whereas you barely act half the part of a proper lady. In my high school, there was a dress code. Boys wore a belt and a school pin, girls wore a belt and a school pin, and a bow tie around our neck and a ribbon in our hair, because God, God forbid we should look anything other than pretty and delicate in our scholarly pursuits. You can't tell it now, because despite my best efforts, their ladylike razor blade did outline the silhouette of me, but darling, I was a rebel. I did not go gentle into that good night, and to those who wanted young smart girls like me to be pretty and delicate in my scholarly pursuits. They have something else coming. Because I wore mismatched socks to school, abandoned the bow tie when I could not be bothered, wore worn out sneakers instead of the black smart shoes. 18 years old me thought she was so cool when she shaved off the side of her hair because she could no longer stand how much the world gets to define the silhouette of her. These gestures may seem small, minuscule to you, a dot in the four-syllable cage, but what they don't tell you is that galatesa, is a fragile creature that lives in the mind and exists so long as people believe in its sanctity. The whole sentence is uttered like a prayer. You do not know Galatesa. No, I do not know Galatesa. I do not accept Galatesa because I, I come from a... Sorry. I do not accept Galatesa. I ref- God, I'm so nervous. Sorry. I do not accept Galatesa. 
I refuse to memorize the outline of me that only gets to exist in a specific time and place. I do not understand my place because I come from a long line of women whose light has been so condensed as to not burn the shallow mind around her that by the time this light had reached me, it is bursting. Let me show you that I'm a force to reckon with, that my body carry all the anger of what the world had told my grandmother she could not be. Because my grandmother could rule the world had it told her, had it not told her that it was not her, had it told her that it was not her time and decided to confine her kingdom to the kitchen. Bad karma, it says, and if genetics is a way we live our next lives in new body, then honey, it is my grandmother's turn. You see, we were both born in the year of the tiger, and according to Thai beliefs and Chinese ancestry, it's the wrong time to breathe for a lady. It's considered too aggressive. And they, were both right, and they were right, for we were both too bright, too loud, too rough at the edges for any outlines of us. And when I, sorry, um, and I hope when my grandmother's looking down from heaven, she'd see that her tiger grandchild is also a Leo, double fire sign that the world shuffle uneasily when I was born because they were right to be afraid because it was not good for a girl to be this bright. I'd hope she see that I'm kicking and screaming and doing all the unladylike things so that by the time my daughter comes, she'd know that she came from a long line of women whose light burns so hot and bright in her veins. Let her be a twin fire signs just like me and let the world be afraid. For no word, no social norm, no uniform can outline the silhouette of her. Thank you. <laughs> All that remains. All that I have of you are three months to remember, feeling the rush of love's first bender. Every touch felt like a forbidden wonder, both of us on our best behavior. So scared we would fuck it up. I've never wanted anyone like I wanted you. Too scared it was all a dream. All that I have of you are a handful of voice notes sent to ease the pain of loneliness. They didn't do much to make it hurt any less. The distance between us caused plenty stress. 3,000 miles apart, we struggled to keep this thing alive, but the end was already in sight. All that I have of you is one week in bleak July. It felt like heaven to have you so close. You came to save me when I needed it most. And then once more, you became a ghost. Darkness clouded up my life. I turned to you as my safe haven to escape the greatest horror. All that I have of you is one box of Christmas joy filled with gifts you knew our treasure. Your presence would have given me far more pleasure. The way I missed you had no measure. They brightened up my year and took away some of the fear. But without a solid plan, what future was there? All that I have of you is one weekend at the beach. I got to hold you finally. But there was still so much uncertainty. Were we living in a fantasy? Our love could not survive the separation. We could not fix what soon became broken. Soon, no more kind words were spoken. All that I have of you is regret never ending, images of you stuck on rewind, 
Somehow I crossed the line and it became impossible to redefine. And no matter what I say, nothing will ever be the same. Some things are simply unforgivable. Now, all that's left of us is this. At least one broken heart poured it out to you in vain. There simply was no way to explain. From you, there is nothing but disdain. And with nothing left to gain, this is all there is. This is all that remains. Thank you. I step back and let the right time has had a deeper shade of black under his eyes. Up a cuts all round. Down for the count, count down. And knocking MCs off for the crown. Here goes the, the, the poem about nothing. Let, let's do it. This poem, it doesn't mean a damn thing. I'm sorry. I just felt the urge to write, despite the fact that a true topic eluded me. Please excuse me. I don't mean to waste your time with pointless rhymes designed to persuade your mind that this man that you see on stage is capable of producing such beautiful words, because really, I'm absurd, I promise you. Because this poem doesn't mean a damn thing. Dr. King, let freedom ring. I don't know what that means. It just sounded nice. Got a list. Check it twice. I got the gift of lyrical nonsense. My conscience is on a higher level than most folks. I don't gloat. My mama raised me better than that. In fact, she's a queen to me. She's a queen. I better be. I better be about something. I better be about something. That's for this poem, though? No. Poem not about a damn thing. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. So I'm, I'm sorry, people. I'm sorry. What can I say? What can I say? What can I say? If you decide to start to tune me out, I get it. I get it, because I ain't talking about nothing. If you decide to tune me out, I get it. Don't sweat it. I won't let it get to me. I'm the man I'm supposed to be, living life righteously. Well, at least, at least I'm trying to be. I'm trying to tell you. At least I'm trying to be. That's the plan. I understand that I can do anything in this world. I can do anything, except for making this poem be about something. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> really it ain't. Because really, really it ain't, man. All right, all right, let me try this out. Let me try this out. Let me try this out. All right, what's something that really, really gets me hot? All right, what's something that really gets me hot, makes me raise my voice? I can't stop. I got to think of something that really gets under my skin. I can't stand it. I can't stand it. Where, where do I begin? Oh, man, but I, I'm trying. Y'all, y'all invested. This poem isn't about. No, but. Oh, my goodness. But honestly, I'm trying. I got nothing. I'm trying. I got, people, I got nothing. I, I'm sorry, I, I got nothing. Because really, to be the, all right, I'm, all right. People, I got nothing. Because honestly, it's too much. It's way too much. It's, it's just, it's too much. It's too much. This world is going crazy. Have you noticed that? Have you, have you guys noticed, right? Y'all noticed, the world is going crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> it's so out of touch. This world's so out of touch from the creator. Yeah, yeah, the creator. I'm talking big jig in this case. I know it may have been a while since you felt the embrace. This poem could be about God, spreading love, joy, overcoming obstacles, fighting demons, finally becoming the person that you're supposed to be, that person so beautiful that, ooh, this poem could be about all that. Being beautiful, successful, on top. Like I said, that person that, that you envision in your mind, just so successful, all of that, all of that glorious stuff, all of that glorious stuff. But it seems that, unfortunately, this poem doesn't mean a damn thing. 
Unless, all right, here, all right, so maybe it does. Let's, unless somebody does something meaningful because of it. So what does this poem mean? Guess only time will tell. Peace. Let's just tune in and listen. <laughs> they cannot breathe. They drop on the ground. And that was the beginning of the history of my history. A month ago, it was a fucking virus. This month, it was humanity. What would become of next month as we are trapped in our little security of our insecurity? Fueled by drops of whiskey and our sterile dreams of sunshine. Oh, baby, <clears throat> I would love you by the swiping of my fingers. And I will choose you based on how often you update your Instagram stories. How clever you are at choosing the stickers and memes. And how wonderful you can be impersonating on TikTok. You will love me just because my asses are nice on my story in one particular angle. <laughs> Next to the peach emoji with the insert here tattoo. And I will make love with you through Snapchats while I have my green rabbit on my crotch on a 220-watt circuit, 100 thoughts in one minute. <laughs> Finally, your survival would depend on your ability to play Uno and how good you managed to win at Caught Against Humanity with Nazi jokes and your grandmother and a box of pepperoni pizzas delivered by a castrated 18-year-old boy with a surgical mask, of course. I would adore you based on the amount of back cards you managed to put in your pants, how many shots you managed to draw tonight, how many bitcoins you have not in your pocket, and how, you, how good you are at tying me up with a Boy Scout knot as we enter the manager tour of our 2020 love life. Then we'll have our relationship built upon thousands of thousands of thousands of thousands of our other relationships. Online, WhatsApp, Snapchat, Instagram, as you finger me through the void of nothingness. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll manage to master a lifetime of love when no one really remembers what love really feels like. As the world is drifting through our fingers with the latest inventions that seeks our attentions and the whisper of the next trending topics on Fox News. Your funeral baby will be on Zoom. I will make the effort to wear white and paint my lips red as a stranger on the tiny 
6K Pro Display Screen is throwing your ashes in the middle of the Ganges. As I swipe, just in time for another life to live and the next call from death. Thank you. I represent the American historically disenfranchised. I am the Muslim who gets side-eyed and viciously interrupted in public spots when I attempt to make Salat women harassed with their hijabs because ignorant eyes think we're all terrorists. Fears and travel bans and registrations have been rammed because they group the majority with the few. So I wonder why all white Christians are condemned for the sins of the neo-Nazis and the Ku Klux Klan, but I'll sip my tea because I guess it's none of my business. I represent the American historically disenfranchised. I am the illegal immigrant, the Mexican that does whatever he can traverse in rivers, grass, and sand to enter a free land to work long hours nearly for free, acting on a dream to try to get minimum wage separated at the border, children trapped in a cage same hand benefiting from your labor cheap same finger trying to label you a menacing in the streets, kind of hypocritical if I do say so myself and part of my language but fuck your wall, I represent the American historically disenfranchised I am the citizen with melanin, constantly wondering whether or not, in fact, my life matters. Petrified and terrified when followed by lights of red, blue, and white because there's nothing routine about our traffic stops. I cannot breathe. It's not a cry that they heed. All it takes is eight minutes and 46 seconds to see that um, you need to defund the police. Clinton crime bills leaving us unfairly incarcerated. No child left behind, left kids, schools dilapidated. Barack got in office, got his shouting, Ninja, we made it. But as we sit back, we watched and we rated. But it's only so much they allow Barry to do. But we refuse to continue to be politically pandered to. So I'm sorry, Miss Hillary, but what were you going to do? And don't sleep on this joke, because right now we're looking at you. I represent the American historically disenfranchised. I am the Native American to whom the trail of tears of $20 bill mocks, who's still racially caricatured by professional team mascots, who's being sprayed by water hoses. No, this is not Jim Crow. This is just a few years ago, but no one wants to talk about Standing Rock. I represent the American historically disenfranchised. I am the woman who can match a man on any professional stage. And though I work as equal, I don't get an equal wage. Resigning in a country where a room full of men legislating tell me I don't get a right to choose what to do with my own body, I represent the American historically disenfranchised. Whom on the night of November 9th, 2016, election night, we got to see a man who campaigned on division and bigotry become the 45th commander in chief. But unlike the historically disenfranchised, I honestly think Donald Trump was the best president to select because he properly represents the America we try to deny and forget. He did us a favor. Now we see the true colors of our friends, families, co-workers, and neighbors. Institutionalized, institutional lies to make racial, social, and sexist glass ceilings and lines to restrict and oppress and neglect and divide and division and privilege the richest, the straightest, the male, the white. But that's all right. Because you're going to feel this demographic shift. And the best hand you had to play was make us think your prejudice didn't exist. Now your intent is fully fleshed. And the historically disenfranchised have realized when it rains on one man's house, it wets up everyone's premises. Now it's locked arms, clenched fists, and a list full of demands. We don't want to see it at your table, man. Your potato salad's bland, man. Talking about this land is your land. But this land, <laughs> this land is your land, man. This land is our land. From LGBT to every black citizen, native or immigrant, um, Native or immigrant, uh, woman or oh, what's that? <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, where did I stop at? Uh, <laughs> um, this land. <laughs> 
This land is your land, no, this land is our land. From LGBT to every black citizen, Muslim or women, native or immigrant, the cost to access shouldn't be to downplay who I am. And we will grab all of these systems, oppressions, its and isms, and grab them by the kitten. I'm sorry if I'm offending, but sometimes you have to use the enemy's weapons and words against them. <laughs> and when these grassroots move, allies of different creeds and hues, these bigots will have nothing left to do but to finally accept the truth that it has been the existence, resilience, persistence, and resi resilience of the historically disenfranchised against such reckless hate that made America great in the fucking first place. And we have no problem making it great again. It's time for that quiz, which always comes once a year. Not sure what kind of man you're dating? Then find out right here. If baggage and barriers are his thing and it's all about him, then consider him the time waster with a score of one to three. Desperate for love yet left hungry always for more, that makes him the needy with a meager score of four. If he enjoys keeping his partner around through self-doubt and a series of tricks, he is the manipulator who falls between scores five to six. Never satisfied and deluding himself over the perfect soulmate, then he, my friend, is the abuser with a respectable seven to eight. All about validation and making his followers pine, we call him the superficial with a score of nine. And finally, the player, the most commonly detested of all the men, for him, we have to award a solid 10. Disclaimer, please keep reading for an in-depth description of his personality type and the effects on those who interact with him. Score one to three, the time waster. This man's conversation flows like bottomless juice in a hotel dining hall. A dedicated server, you're here to tend to his problems, his every call. You're invited into his private room, but the bedsheets remain untouched and neat. And despite all his many needs, he assures you he still wants to meet. Like a loyal guest, he always checks in from time to time. And like a well-trained bellboy, you carry all his baggage without receiving so much as a dime. Score four, the needy. A chance encounter and premature love you is all this man needs. A relenting headache of hollow exchanges and undeserving deeds. That first date in the local bar is his definition of true love. The kind that ends the week with wedding bells and pretty white doves. Like an unwanted poltergeist, his misuse plague morning, noon and night. Until you're forced to flee with the rest of the flock. Yeah, you're not crazy. It's time to take flight. Score five to six, the manipulator. At first, this man's anxiety burns low like a candle's flame, but soon you'll be responsible for fueling his every insecurity until it drives you insane. A Florence Nightingale, your job is to tend to his gaping open wound until it infects your mental state, left with no choice but to get out or join him inside his tomb. Number... Eight to, I think it's number seven, sorry, seven to eight. Yeah, seven to eight, the abuser. This man seeks a deluded perfection he cannot attain. 
his vision of the body, the habits, the hobbies, all of which, like a botanical garden, you're expected to maintain. As his flower, you blossom and flourish in his vase that binds you, but no roots grow to ground this dying bird. Subdued and browning, your petals begin to fall like confetti and crumble to dust with each sharp snip from his tongue. Can you wear a nice color? Can you bulk up a little bit? Can you lose a bit of weight? But don't worry, despite all your flaws, you're exactly what he's looking for in his soulmate. Number nine, the superficial. A workout bench is the only shallow bed this man knows, making love to the weight of his own ego. Fancying himself in a... <laughs> Fancying himself as modest in a mirror reflection of lies and deceit, he massages the insecure sprains that his Insta followers can't delete. No number of lights will ever make you good enough for this man because social validation ensures he gets all the fixes he can. And score number 10, the player. An expert charmer, this man places you on his rocket, quite literally, and sends you soaring to the moon. The flashy career and a smile to match, his promises of monogamy make him quite the catch. Tideless of an endless stream of bad encounters, you're the change that he needs, something fresh. And all seems well until his Tuesday Tinder regular pops up for that weekly sesh. You pass his indiscretions off for a one-time affair until he can't meet you Wednesday because his elusive just-a-friend is there. So now you have your scores from 1 to 10. I give you the six undesirable personalities for the many men. Thank you. I've been on this trip with no end. Flowing with waves wherever they take me, the wind ain't no friend. Waiting against the currents, I'm so spent from this ride gone awry. I tried to plan it out, but it seems the fates deemed it won't pan out. Sideswiped by Miss Fortune. She switched it up, sold out. Passed my plans to Poseidon, he ripped it up. Got me tripping just like Odysseus trying to get back to Ithaca. The seas and skies ain't giving up on keeping me in the cut wandering. Time squandered while I'm left to ponder if I don't rode around on some type of high horse for the Lord of Seas to keep me off course, bounced offshore to shore on this world tour of exile. No clue where the next mile ends. No breath and no rest. I've been on this type of test of a quest. I scaled mountains, traversed towns, and found myself drifting across deserts and oceans alike, feeling I've been lost at sea, swimming in the chaos. It's brimming. Way off the path I made off on. By now I thought I'd be winning, singing songs of victory whose lyrics can't yet be written. Smitten by life's life speed bite. The harsh reminder that there's a price for this pulse and it keeps on ticking. They warned us before we arrived, screaming and kicking. Earth, 
It ain't no game. There's pain to that there living. Best know what you're getting into. No one sent you but your own willing soul. So, don't go gentle into that good night. Or just don't go outright. Listen, lack of sight's what you're getting into. Despite two eyes wide open, three if you play your cards with precision. But you say, you hurry and say, sails up and away. Right when you thought you found your rhythm, you sway right into the hurricane. A perfect storm brewed to chew and spit you out. Worn and torn off the deck, the same one the mast was fixed to, just like the canvas the wind ripped through. Life's a bitch, dude. And she don't bark not one bit. Truth is, she sits, waiting, patient for you to commit then lift you off your foundations till ain't shit beneath you but the murky abyss where Leviathan lives. It's the same spot on the map that ain't charted, where here be dragons is scrawled in. I'm all in, way more than neck deep, steeped in this chaos. Like some tea leaves I keep trying to reread because, God damn it, I still can't believe I'm still here. And where it all ends, well, it's up in the air. Thank you. Oh, 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 oh. And keep it going for me, please. In these, in these days, I go outside just to look around the sunset city and from a distance everything it uh, it looks a little prettier and we would then wave to each other across the rooftops and this right here could be the closest we've ever been and I can't see your shattered dreams no, I can't see your shattered dreams, but I can see the broken scenes and what is now left lying in between. And so we sing together. trying times we're inclined to regress and invite in coping mechanisms like comfort food never leaving oh, they're never leaving but always leaving a mess and I see the sand shifts on the changing tides the Ides of March are now revived 
And this now is the time for us to replace our sense of entitlement with some steps towards social enlightenment. It's the rocks at the bottom of that deep barrel that bring the shock of the forgotten demons you still need to battle. And those demons you thought already defeated, now they return too to scream your secrets. And they're like old enemies revisiting regrets I've neglected to respect. Or are these just the sick tricks of my mind? Are these just the sick tricks of my mind? Remembering that freedom feeling that you once had Because it's okay to be feeling bad and sad And like you're slowly going fucking mad And it's okay to be craving human touch And it's okay to say that this is not enough And it's okay to feel demotivated And it's okay to feel like you stagnated And it's okay to feel frustrated And it's okay to be creatively deflated Because we've all had that same experience, so we can all sing. Because that time we'd all been sitting sick of this isolation, suffocation, accusations of annihilation across every nation and uh, illegal association and self-righteous indignation. But time proved it's just self-flagellation and uh, I've got hope but not much optimism. Tomorrow's vision will be through a new type of prism, a new schism risen from uncertainty and so I ask myself, who are you going to be when you are finally set free? see it's the tick-tock time bomb of passing fads the new normal normalizing downsizing of payment plans and uh, uh, times for sanitized hands breed, breed the division between sanitized brands and it's like uh, riding around the city without your fam yeah yeah it's not so dirty but not so pretty when there are no smiling faces to reflect your own to remind you that maybe you have grown through this time when you were forced to be alone through this time where touching it ain't condoned uh, through this time where new seeds must be shown and through this time when screen connections were our only home (laughs) 
through this time of broad restrictions on everything from movement to drinking. But while those numbers, they keep on dropping, I can't see this tyranny ever stopping. But now we've moved on and we're moving forward through 2020. And yeah, for the stress we've had this year, it's been more than plenty. But now as we gather in this hallowed hall, we can show that we have risen more than we are going to fall. And uh, this freestyle style that we're bringing on this moment, yeah, inspired by all the eyes that have shown it, that the art is the place that we want to be. It's this style and this face where we want to be free and uh, poetry can speak to you. In words laid out true. I'm feeling bad and sad Feeling bad and sad I've been feeling bad and sad I'm feeling bad and sad I'm not anymore feeling bad Thank you. Our story begins on a long winding road. Paved stones cover the skin that Mother Nature has grown. A big red carriage escorts an unusual creature, one who is magic but takes magic deeper. Betrisser the Bat, who lives in the cursed caves, a master of deep magic known for digging up graves. Betrisser's the reclusive type, prefers to stick to his spells. He only goes out at night collecting ingredients from shells. He practices deep magic for his personal gain, but now it seems he's acquired fame, for the red duck has asked to see him, and death comes to those who are disobedient. So Betrisa sits in the back of a carriage, nervous that he's been summoned. He's heard stories of the red duck, who knows what's coming. Creatures of these lands aren't fond of deep magic. If done incorrectly, the results are tragic. But Betrisser is a master. He's gained control of the cryptic. But then again, most would not risk it. Betrisser peeks behind the red curtain, spotting something new to his existence. The red palace far out in the distance. The humongous home of the red duck on top of the mountain where heads get cut. Betrissa pokes his head out the carriage and talks to the driver. Do you know what the red duck desires? He asks. The driver turns to him, wearing a red mask, stares for a moment, then turns back to the path. Betrissa double blinks and then sinks back into his seat. I guess he would find out when the two meet. When they finally arrived at the palace doors, Betrisser couldn't help but feel small. It strained his neck just to look at the entrance 
Waiting for them were more red-masked gremlins. They rattled the chains wrapped around two stone golems standing either side of the doors. They towered over the others, yet looked broken to their core. The golems pushed and pushed and pushed some more. Through brute strength, open were the doors. Betrissa is guided through long red halls. Beautiful paintings decorate the walls, all of the red duck. Inside, the inside of the palace felt so hollow. Every footstep had an echo follow. Aside from marble pillars and long red carpets, the halls were empty with pockets of darkness. He felt he should follow the fabric in front, for if he strayed, he'd be lost for months. This palace is massive. It had left him stumped. How could all of this be for just one duck? Then he saw her in all her majesty. The red duck, just like her tapestries. She was big. Bigger, bigger than a duck should be. She was sat on a pillow and had eyes like black beads. She was surrounded by a moat filled with golden koi. The red duck snagged one. They were for her to enjoy. Another creature wearing a red mask emerged from the shadows. Oh, red duck! Introducing Betrissa the Brave from visiting from uh, the cursed caves. Betrissa got on one knee and bowed at the duck. The sight of her had left, a, his, left his throat with a lump. Tell me, her voice rumbled. You know of I, don't you, bat? I do, Betrissa said, hiding his fear. He could tell she enjoyed being revered. Do you know how I got this palace? she asked. It was no easy task. It used to belong to the crimson swan. I snapped her neck at the battle of the bread. The duck's scratchy voice laughed loudly. Her laughter echoed faintly. Betrissa felt a bit stuck. He really wanted to speed this up, but one wrong move could make this situation worsen. Very impressive, oh Doc. Doc, how may I be of service? She stared at Betrissa for a moment. I have fought a thousand battles and conquered fear. If I had lost a single one, I would not be here. You see these scars on my body and bill? These are proof of my skill. But my voice, you see, has become coarse and tired. All those battle cries have left it expired. This is where you come in, Bat. You're going to use your deep madge to make my voice beautiful and serene. I want to hear the echoes of my own singing. For what's the point of having a massive palace if my song cannot travel throughout it? Betrissa stared at the duck, dazed. I'm sorry, Red Duck, I'm sorry to say, but I cannot help. Deep magic is used for something else. Voices aren't my specialty. I deal with the magic that the weak can't conceive. I do rituals, shadow healings, not singing lessons. Restoring your voice is out of the question. The red duck grinned. You must think me a fool. There's a reason I summoned you. Whether you like it or not, you're going to help me. My beautiful voice shall live for centuries. 
Betris a coward. I wish I could help. But deep magic doesn't work like that. It's not just my ability to a certain extent, but also the wish's intent. The deep magic I cast is sentient. It sees all. It sees what you've done, sees what you will do, sees how you'd put your new voice to use. If your intentions are clear, I will try to, I will try to heal your voice. But know the deep magic has the power to destroy. The red duck leaned in. The fact you think you can speak back to me makes me think you wish to die horribly. You either help me with my voice or die here. Your choice. No, please. I'll help you, Red Duck, Betrissa pleaded. There's just a few more ingredients that are needed. (laughs) She sniggered. There's a good boy. Her beak pierced the moats, eating another golden koi. Betrissa searched his robes and pulled out a giant clam. He placed it standing upwards and began. He had several jars filled with colorful glows, which he kept safe underneath his robes. He poured a cicada soul into the clam. This would reinvigorate her glands. He poured in tears belonging to an elephant, for tears are a sign of strength. He rinsed a cloth soaked in abstract sweat, for this would help with the endurance. It is almost complete, Betrissa said nervously. I just need one more thing, your voice. If you are ready, just get on with it, she yelled. Betrissa chanted a spell, and what looked like puppet strings grew from his fingertips, making their way to the red duck's bill, pulling out her voice while she stood still. Safely in the clam, he was close to finishing the ritual. Red Duck, for me, this is new territory. I cannot guarantee your voice is excellency, but please be patient with me and I'm sure we'll have you singing. She tried to respond, but her voice was gone. Betrissa examined the inside of the clam. I think we're going to need more time. The spell is not yet refined. If we bam, the red duck impatiently slapped Betrissa with her wing. Across the floor he went sliding. She stuck her beak inside the clam, slurping up all the magic like jam. When she pulled her beak out, she let out a shout. Her voice was immaculate. As Betrissa picked himself off the floor, he could feel his, her singing inside his core. It was undoubtedly beautiful. The red-masked gremlins all clapped and cheered. Her singing voice was oh so clear. You failed me, Bat! I don't hear anything! Wait, why are you all cheering? What happened to my hearing? Seems like the red duck couldn't hear her own song. Wait, Red Duck, please, Betrissa pleaded. I told you the spell was not yet completed. But she couldn't hear him. She couldn't hear anything. She started to spread her wings and started panicking. Betrissa! She lunged at the bat. He flew up into the darkness, avoiding her attack. The Red Duck flailed around, searching for Betrissa, but she could not hear him. He'd escaped into the darkness. She let out a terrifying roar without, with no hint of harshness. Shut the doors, she screamed. Shut the doors! The stone golems, with their combined strength, shut the doors, never to be opened again. She went on a rampage, just like back in the day, but it seems Betrissa had successfully escaped. Many years passed, 
and no one ever went to her mountain. The red palace abandoned, yet forever standing. Betrissa had survived after all this time. Building a new home in the shadows, he turned out fine. Living on the palace ceiling, he built an upside-down home where he worked on his spells and enjoyed being alone. But from time, from time to time, something would interrupt his flow. The sound of singing echoing below. Thank you. All right.